We're continuing our series in the book of Galatians. We started this last weekend, and really we're calling this series Be Free, because the, the idea of freedom is, is something that uh, is woven throughout the entire book of Galatians. And if you were not here last Sunday, I would encourage you to either um, watch it or, or listen to it online, because it really is a foundational message for the rest of this series, but I, I also believe it's a foundational message for who God is calling us to be as, as a church body and who, we, who we're called to be as, as individuals as well. And Paul wrote this epistle. He wrote this letter to the different churches that were in Galatia, which is in modern-day Turkey. And he, he wrote this as, as a way of, of correcting, uh, of, you know, that they had gotten off base, they had gotten off, off course, and, and he's trying to, to write to them and encourage them to get back to the, the gospel that, that they had been that they've been taught, because what was happening to these different churches in Galatia is they were they were taking the the true gospel, the gospel they had heard about Jesus, and mixing that with some Old Testament laws and traditions, and 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 really trying to combine the two. And and Paul's main point in writing this letter is saying, "No, no, you can't combine the two. They're they're, they're totally separate, totally totally distinct. And in, in fact, they they really are incompatible together." That, I, that, that Jesus came to set you free, not to have you following more religious laws. In fact, he would go on later to say that, that they're actually putting themselves back into bondage by following these old religious laws and religious rules. And, and thinking about that for us today, where we are here and now, I think there's two kind of brands, two different branches of Christianity. There, there's one that's based on, on duty and rules and obligation, and and fear, and shame. And there's another one that's based on on freedom, and joy, and delight, and love. And last week, we talked about this chasm between the two that really started all the way back in the book of of Genesis, where in the middle of the garden, there was the tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One was was life-giving, the other is is life-sucking. One is based on freedom and love, the other is based on duty and bondage. And, and Paul is writing this letter to the Galatian churches to call them back, to call them back to, to, their, to, to their first love, to what they originally had been taught because they had gotten off course mixing the two together. And so we're going to continue in chapter two where Paul is finishing his thoughts from chapter one. And so starting in verse 11, I'm going to read from the message paraphrase version. It says, later, when Peter came to Antioch, now, Antioch is in Galatia. Peter had come to one of the churches that Paul had planted in Galatia. He says, I had a face-to-face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. Here's the situation. Earlier, before certain persons had come from James, Peter regularly ate with the non-Jews. Peter was eating with the Gentile believers that were in Antioch. But when that conservative group came from Jerusalem, he cautiously pulled back and put as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends. So Peter, he, he used to eat and commune and, and be with his Gentile friends, these Gentile believers. And then once these, these Jewish believers, what we talked last week, the, these Judaizers, that they were believers in Jesus, but, but really felt like you had to follow the Old Testament laws as well. You had to be circumcised if you were going to be a a follower of Jesus. And so these Judaizers came, and all of a sudden, Peter, he stopped hanging out. 
He stopped eating lunch. He stopped being around the Gentile believers. And he started hanging out with only the Jewish believers again. That's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that's been pushing the old system of circumcision. Unfortunately, the rest of the Jews in the Antioch church joined in this hypocrisy so that even Barnabas, one of Paul's closest and most trusted friends and missionary partners, he was swept along in this charade. Like Paul, Paul's telling you that there, that there were factions that were forming within the church in Antioch, in Galatia, that these, these cliques had, had developed, where there, there are, like, we're, we're the insiders and you guys are the outsiders. We're the, we're the Jewish ones, we're the ones that have been circumcised, you guys are not. And so there's kind of, like, we have different tiers, different classes of, of believers here in this new church. And Paul He's coming, he, he says, all right, I had, to, I had to confront Peter to his face. Like Peter, the, one of the 12 disciples, the closest of the 12 d- disciples to Jesus. Peter, the, the one who, who preached on the day of Pentecost, and thousands of people were saved. Like the, the, the one who, who was essentially the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And Paul had to have this, this confrontation with Peter, saying, all right, you're off. The, the way that you are treating the non-Jewish believers, the way you're treating these Gentile believers because they're not being circumcised is wrong. The way you're doing this, the way you're handling this is, is incorrect. He, he's saying, Peter, you're going back to your old ways. You're falling back to the, that, the old religious mindset that you used to have before. Jesus has set you free, and yet you're going back to what was before. And so the main idea for, for this message today, the main question I want us to, to tackle and, and talk through is, how do we keep from going back? How, how do we keep from going back to those old ways? Because it's so easy. It's so easy to fall back into those religious mindsets and having those kinds of, of thoughts. Like what, what, what Paul is talking about with Peter and Barnabas and these other Jewish believers, he's like, all right, you've heard the good news. You've experienced the freedom that Jesus offers, and yet you're going back to that old religious way, that, that old religious mindset. Again, you, you were living in the tree of life, but now you've drifted back into that, that, that mindset of the tree of knowledge of good and evil that we talked about last week. And Paul's saying something, he's talking about something that we've all experienced at one time or another, that there seems to be a vine that, that hangs between these two trees, and we can easily swing between those two trees, between the tree of life and between the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that there's times where, where we're growing in our walk with God, and we're, and we're serving, and, and, and we're, we're excited about what God is doing in our life, we're filled with grace and joy, and then there's times where, it, it, and it can happen just so fast, so quickly, where we feel like we swing back to, the, to that other tree, where we become judgmental, where we become bored and irritated that the things of God, coming to church, spending time with Him, it, it starts to feel more like a chore. And, and this, this swinging between the two can happen in, in the blink of an eye. It happens really fast. I, one of the things I, I enjoy about, I, I have about a half hour trip to come into work every day. And, and I, I actually kind of enjoy this because it gives me an opportunity just to, to, to talk with God, to pray, to put on some worship music, and, 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 just, and just sing and spend that time with God. And that's what I try to do most mornings when, I, when I'm coming into to work. And, and a couple months back, 
I was doing exactly that. I, I had some worship music on loud, and I was just singing out. And all of a sudden, in my rearview mirror, I see this guy just coming up really hard behind me. And he starts flashing his lights at me, and you know, he's throwing his arms up. And, you know, and I'm looking at him through my rearview mirror, and I'm like, dude, what's your problem, man? You know, like, what, what is going on? And, and, and like, literally, like just, just a, a moment before, I was, I was singing and I was worshiping, and now this guy is coming up and, you know, and, and so, you know, like I, I'm looking in my rearview mirror like, oh, what, buddy? You know, like, like we've, all, we've all done that, you know, before. And so I'm getting really irritated and annoyed, so then I start to slow down even more to make him, like, even more impatient. You know, like I was just trying to, like, stick it to him. And <laughs> Angela hates when I do that. But... And so finally, he, he gets so impatient, he finally, you know, pulls around me, gives me the, the one-finger salute as, as he drives past, and, you know, I'm like, all right, same to you, buddy, you know, like, at, just, just being honest with you. And, and, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, what in the world am I doing? Like, like literally, 30 seconds before, like, I, I, was, I was worshiping, I was singing praises to God, and then I'm like, in my head, I'm like cussing this guy out as he's as he's going around me, like how quickly we can swing between those two trees, between the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so like this message this morning is dedicated to all of us that have felt that tension, that between the two, where we feel like we, we find ourselves swinging into one, from one or the other, where we want to live, we want to reside, we, we've experienced that freedom of living in the tree of life, and yet so often we end up swinging back the other way. Paul, Paul ends up talking about this, and, and he, he goes on to explain in Galatians 2, starting in verse 16. He says, we Jews, we know that we have no advantage of birth over non-Jewish sinners. He, he's saying, all right, like speaking to the Jewish believers, all right, just because we were born Jewish, we don't have any advantage over the Gentile believers. Now, this, this was a radical change of mindset because before they absolutely thought, all right, because I'm Jewish, the, the, like, we are God's chosen people. This is, we're, this is our birthright in a way. And, and Paul's saying, all right, we know, like, we, we've heard the good news. We have no advantage over the Gentile believers anymore. We know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping, but only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. How do we know? Because we tried it. And we have the best system of rules the world has ever seen. Like, we, we tried trying to earn favor with God by doing the right thing, by following all the rules. But now, convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement, we believed in Jesus as the Messiah, so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman. I quit, I quit living life in the tree of knowledge of good and evil so that I could be God's man. And, and that's what I want us to talk through today because we've all felt that tension before. That tension between the two trees and, and, and the vine where we find ourselves swinging between the two. We've all had moments like that before. And, and I think Paul spells out for us how we can manage that tension between the two. And, and it's something that that quite honestly is, can sometimes feel like a hard pill to swallow. It's not always a, a fun, 
message, a fun remedy that Paul offers for us of how do we do it? How do we live and stay in that tree of life? But if we can put this into practice, if we can put into practice what Paul is going to talk about, I really, it really does have the potential to change totally how we live. And I, and I don't say that lightly, but it changes how we, how we approach God, how we approach others, how we end up approaching the world. And so in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul writes, he says, Christ's life showed me how. Showed me how I can live in the tree of life and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. Paul said, I know Jesus died for me, but if I'm going to be successful in this life, if I'm going to be successful in walking out my faith, if I'm going to live in the tree of life, there's some things in my life that I'm going to have to put to death. When he's talking about, all right, I've been crucified with Christ. All right, there's some things that have to be crucified, that have to be put to death. He goes on to say that my ego is no longer central. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is life, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up. For, gave himself for me. I am not going back on that. He's saying, like, all right, I, I need to learn how to put to death some things in my life so that I can have freedom, so that I can live in that tree of life. Because dead men don't get offended because they're dead. Dead men don't cuss people out on 31. You know, de- dead men don't judge others, they don't get jealous. There's some things in my life that need to be crucified, that need to be put to death. And, and this, is, this is an idea that's actually taught and brought up throughout Scripture multiple times. In fact, Jesus ends up talking about this same idea in the book of Matthew chapter 16. In verse 21, it says, from that time on. And, and what's, what's happening here is Jesus' ministry is starting to wind down. He had spent three years with, with his disciples. They had been traveling throughout you know, Galilee and doing miracles and teaching and performing all these things. And his, his ministry was starting to wind down. He knew his time was short. And so from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now, 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 just to take a time out for a moment and, and tell you, like, in, in, G, in, the, in the minds of Jesus' followers, like, they had an idea that Jesus was going to be an earthly king, that he was, he was going to rule and reign from Jerusalem, that, that at the time, Israel was underneath the, the power of the Romans, and so they thought the Messiah that they've been reading about and studying about and expecting for centuries was going to come and, and, and be an earthly king. He was going to overthrow the Roman government and that he was going to reign in Jerusalem. But towards the end of his ministry, Jesus actually comes and he pops that bubble and he says, hey, just so you know, I'm going to die. And, and they're like, wait, wait, what? No, 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 no. We, we had a different thought in mind of, of who you were, of what was going to happen. And they start getting frustrated with him. All right, like, all right, Jesus, this isn't, this isn't according to our plan. This isn't what we thought was going to happen. 
And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine the intestinal fortitude of Peter rebuking the Son of God, getting in his face? Never, Lord, he said. This shall not never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross and follow me. Like Jesus introduces this, this idea that, that we, how we can live life to the full by actually taking up our cross, by sacrificing ourselves, living a different way. And if you remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the cross at the time was not a symbol of hope. It was a symbol of death, of shame, of torture. And he's saying, all right, you really want to be a disciple of mine? Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Follow me. That's how you live in the tree of life. I mean, it, it's such a countercultural thought and a countercultural narrative where, where Jesus actually said in, in John, chapter, uh, John chapter 12, he says that unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it will produce many seeds. And he's saying, all right, like, in order for something to grow, in order for something to flourish, something needs to die. This is Jesus kind of explaining life in the upside-down kingdom. And, and Jesus, he finishes by saying, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Like, he's not talking just about, like, being a martyr and actually, like, losing your life. He's saying, no, like, if you give up your life for me, you're actually going to find life. If you're willing to, to allow your, not physically, but like crucifying the things in your life, you're actually going to find freedom in that. And if we can learn to the art and, and the discipline of, of living a crucified life, a life where we can regularly, regularly put things to death in, in our life, like, I, I'm, I'm convinced that, you know, like, if, if I can put, you know, my, my impatience to death, my road rage, my offense, like, I, like the, all the things that, that end up taking me away from, from the man that God has called me to be, that, that I can live, we can, we can reside within that tree of life. And, and honestly, most of us, like, and myself included, I, I would much rather hear about how my circumstance would change. I, I would rather hear about how that, how that jerk on 31 who was coming up behind me and flicked me off, like, Lord, change him. But I would say, actually, we want, we want changed situations, but God wants to change us. Like, so often, we want, we want the situation, we want the circumstance to change, but in the end, God actually wants to change us. And we might, we might have, like, a, a tough marriage, or you might work a tough job, or, or be in a tough financial situation. And just like you, like, I pray that God's going to help alleviate some of those, those difficulties and those tough times that we're, that we're dealing with. We, we can and we should, and we ought to pray those things. But at the end of the day, if I really want to find life, if I want, really want to experience the life that God has for me, if I really want to find that freedom, it's not going to come by my situation changing. Because my situation can change all at once, and I might still be rotten to the core. 
I can, I, I can get just as angry if, I, if there was not a soul on 31 and I'm driving. Like, I, can, I can be just as impatient. It's not about the change in situation. It's about a change in me. And so this idea of, of living a, a crucified life is something that Paul talks about throughout this letter to the Galatian churches. Like, th- this, is, this is what he was talking about when he confronted when he confronted Peter and said, All right, Peter, you're going back to your old ways. That, that's been crucified. That, that's been done away with. I want you to live in the freedom that, that Jesus has purchased for you. And so when we read through Galatians, Paul actually mentions three different times about things that, that ought to be crucified in our lives. Three, three different things that, that, that we can put to death in order for us to live and reside in that tree of life. And the first one is one that we actually already read, where Paul said, all right, I have been crucified with Christ, like me, myself. Like if we want to live a crucified life, one of the things that I need to do is I need to crucify self, crucify self. And, and like, I, like I've, I've given my heart to Jesus, I've put my faith in him, I, I've, I'm saved, I've been set free, but there's still things in me that need to be put to death. And let, let, me, let me tell you what Paul had to say about this in 1 Corinthians 15, where he says, I affirm, brethren, by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, I die daily. Daily. This isn't like a one-time thing. This is a daily thing where, where I, I, you know, Paul's saying, All right, I, I have this tendency to hold on to this vine, to make myself the center of my world, to make myself the center of my worship. He's saying, all right, secret of of living in that tree of life is I die daily. Like being able to say, all right, Lord, I'm giving myself to you again today. I'm giving my my agenda, my thoughts, my desires, my attitude, my words, my my actions, my mind. Like I'm laying myself out before you and, and offering myself to you again. Let everything I do, let everything I say, let everything I think today be pleasing to you. I'm giving myself to you again today. This is what Paul is talking about when he's talking about crucifying. I have been crucified with Christ. Like my, my desires, my, my, where I am, my, my plans, my thoughts. John 3.30 says that we must be or he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. Another another translation says that he must increase so that I may decrease. Like I, I like God, I want you to be great in me today, not me. And so what's an, what's an action step that we can take? Like how how can we how can we pursue the idea of crucifying self? And and I would say the action step for us is humility practicing and, and putting, putting into practice in our life a, a humble heart, a humble attitude. My friend of mine uh, and mentor of mine, Pastor Larry Stockstill, once said that a man on his face can never fall from that position. And, and, and there's few words that will provide more life for us than that word humility, like elevating God, elevating others above myself, crucifying myself daily, choosing to humble myself. But the second, the next one that comes that where, where Paul's talking about crucifying 
comes a couple chapters later in, in Galatians chapter 5. We'll come to that in just a moment. But the next thing that Paul talks about for us living a crucified life is that we also need to crucify our flesh. And, and I'm using the word flesh in, because it's the, the word the Bible uses. It's not talking about like our actual skin, but it's talking about like our, our feelings, our desires, our passions. Because every one of us, like we, we, have, we have desires and passions that go against God's character, that go against God's plan in our lives. And Paul writes in Galatians 5.24, he says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus, they have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and with its desires. We all have those passions and desires. We all have those things that, that are actually contrary to God in our lives. And, and it's easy, like so often we say, oh, you know what, like, well, that's just how you are, embrace it. You know, oh, you're not, you're not angry, that's, that's just the Irish in you. And like, no, like, I, I, like, like there, there are things, the, the, the passions and feelings and desires in my life don't have to be my predispositions. Like, I, we can choose to live outside of our feelings. Like, I, I, because, like, if, if I chose to live life by my feelings, it would, it would be utter chaos. We all would. In fact, I would, I would actually argue that many of, of the issues and the struggles that we have in our society and in our world today, racism, sexism, abuse, wars, greed, adultery, murder, like all of these things are a result of those passions and those desires not being crucified. By people, I, I feel this in the moment. I'm just going to do. I'm just going to act. I'm just going to live on my feelings. And having to say, no, no, no. Like, I can't live my life based on how I feel. I can acknowledge, all right, this is how I'm feeling about this situation, about this scenario. And even having to verbally out loud, but I'm not going to live life based on my feelings, based on my desires. Today, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put those, those passions to death. It's not just a one-time decision. It's something we do every day because one of the things that's going to happen, like you, you, can, you, can, you can be guaranteed, you're going to have ample opportunity in your day, in your life, to act on those, on, on those passions and those desires and those feelings. Every one of us, like we, we have so many opportunities, so many times in our day where I can act on those where we're presented the opportunity to do so. And, and I, would, I would encourage each of us to instead of living by feelings, live by choices. To live by principle and not by pressure. In fact, I would, I would say our action step for, for crucifying the flesh would just be our choices. Making, making a choice, making a decision. Where Joshua said, choose this day who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He, he said, all right, I, I'm making a choice. I'm making a decision not to live my life based on how I feel, but based on, on principle, based on what I know to be right. And, and in spite of my feelings, like there, there's times I get upset with, with my wife, Angela, and I don't want to go home to her. I, I don't want to be around her in that moment. But I, I'm going to Let me say it like this. I, I'm going to make the choice to not live by my feelings. I'm not going to let those desires, those emotions rule in my life. And I'm not trying to make this 
about me at all, but I, I'm just trying to say, like, I think we all have things like that that we can identify with. Like, what, what areas in my life have I been living based on my feelings and not based on, on choices, on good choices that I make? And, and I would actually add to that, it, it also would, would behoove us to actually make those choices and make those decisions ahead of time instead of in the moment. Where I say, all right, when, when I go to the restaurant, I'm not going to eat soda, I'm not going to get a dessert. Like, it, it's, it's so much easier to make that choice up front than when you're actually in the moment and you're there at the restaurant and you're smelling all of it and, and trying to behave when you're already in the thick of it. But instead, actually making that choice ahead of time. And the third, the third one that Paul talks about, he talks about crucifying self, crucifying our flesh. The last one, he actually talks about crucify the world. In, in Galatians 6.14, he says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. You say, all right, well, what, well, what does that mean? Paul, Paul's saying that, that part of living, having that life-giving freedom, part of living in that tree of life is, is, having, is having a filter, having a world filter in your way. There are some things of the world I'm not going to allow into my life. I'm not going to allow it into, to, to be a part of who I am. I, I would say for an action step with crucifying the world, I would call it just guardrails, setting up some guardrails, setting up some, some boundaries in our life. And this, this isn't about making a a, a list of, of all the things you can and can't do and shalt and shalt nots. We're not talking about legalism here. But just what are, what are some things that I can put in place that are going to guard me, that are going to protect me, that are going to help me be the man of God that I desire to be? Being able to know myself and make choices accordingly. And, and let, me, let me give you an example of what I mean by that. When, when I graduated from college, Angela and I, we went on a, on a cruise to Alaska, which was, it was amazing, it was beautiful. I would love to go back again sometime. And um, at, it, it really was an amazing trip. And Angela was actually pregnant with Regan at the time. And so like being on a, on a boat that rocks, it wasn't always super pleasant for, for a pregnant woman who's five months, pre a pregnant woman, a woman who's five months pregnant is what I meant to say. And, and so there was, there, there was one, uh, one day Angela was just laying down in, in our cabin. And like most cruise ships, there was, a, there was a casino on board. And I thought, oh, I've never been to a casino. I'm, I'm going to take 20 bucks and just see, see what happens. And, and let me tell you, like I was hooked. Like it, it, was, it was a thrill. Like, I, I mean, you know, maybe, all right, maybe that next pull is going to be the big winner or just, you know, like one more hand and you, and you win just enough to kind of keep you going and keep you satisfied with that. And then eventually I burned through all the 20 bucks that I, that I brought with me. But, and it was fun. Like I, I, but I discovered something about myself in that moment is that I can't allow myself to frequent a casino because it would just be, it would be way too addicting for me. I, I could see and I could envision myself getting, getting hooked, that it causing a problem in my life. Well, all right, just a little bit more, just one more game, just one more bet. All right, my luck is going to turn. I can feel it in this moment. And I could see that. I could recognize it in me. And, and I'm not saying that has to be your line. It doesn't have to be your guardrail. For you, it might not be an issue at all. 
but I know myself. And I know that has to be a line for me. I'm not, I'm not judging anybody that does. Hey, praise God. I'm judging, I'm judging me because I recognize that that would actually be an inhibitor. It would inhibit me from becoming the God that wants me to be. Do I, do I have the freedom to do it? Absolutely, sure. Would it be wise for me to do it? No. It wouldn't. There's too much potential for it to become an issue for me. And so setting up that guardrail in my life. This is an area that of, of the world that I'm crucifying in my life. And I, I'm not going to give you a list. I mean, I, I, what I would say is that, that's the Holy Spirit's job. All right, Holy Spirit, what is it in my life? Where, where do those guardrails need to be put up for me? What, what, are the, what are the parts of the world that I need to crucify in my life? Maybe it is gambling. Maybe it's just news consumption. We just recognize, all right, that's just, it's becoming this, this consuming thing in my life. Or maybe just social media arguments, certain forms of entertainment. It could be just the, the drive to earn money, video game. I mean, I mean it, it could go on and on. But just saying, all right, Lord, what, what, what is that in my life? What is the thing in me that's actually preventing me from, from residing in this tree of life? Are there parts of the world that I need to crucify in my life? That may not necessarily be a sin. I may have the freedom to do it. But it's actually going to take me away from what God wants for me. And so I want to, I want to close with this final thought. You know, it, it's, you know, as we're thinking about these, these two trees, the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, talking about, about freedom and talking about bondage. And how often we can swing between the two. That, that we all, I, I, I think we all want and we all desire to live in that tree of life. We want to live in that freedom. We want to live in, in the, the experience of the gospel that God has given to all of us. But it's so tempting to swing back the other way. To go back to what was before. And Paul's prescription for this is to live a crucified life. To crucify self, crucify my flesh, crucify the world. Because Jesus, Jesus said that whoever loses their life will ultimately find it. Taking up our cross, following him. Because living a crucified life actually produces freedom in my life. Living, living a life where I'm denying myself things actually produces the freedom I so desire. The freedom I want to see. It prevents me from going back prevents me from going back to what was before. So if you would, would you bow your heads and allow me just to pray for us this morning? Lord, I, I just, I thank you so much, God, for who you are. I thank you that you are a good God, that you are gracious, you're merciful. Thank you, God, for the way that you, that you speak to us. And God, that you've called us out of bondage, you've called us out of darkness. Lord, you want us to, to live and to experience the freedom that only you can offer. And God has as a people. God, we, we, we want to live in that tree of life. We, we want to experience the freedom that you've offered to us. And, and as crazy as it seems, Lord, that, that we can experience that freedom by denying ourselves. And Lord, I ask for our church family that you would help us today. You would help us to crucify self. Not making ourselves the center of our world, but making you the center and the focal point of our world, that, that we would crucify our, our flesh, 
our sinful nature and desires, those things, our feelings, that we would live life based on choices, not based on our feelings, and crucifying the world in our life, that recognizing there are some things that we just need to prevent from allowing to be a part of who we are. God, that we would be able, actually able to live in that tree of life. Live in a life of surrender. God, we love you. So grateful for you and for what you've done inside each one of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.